0: sheet guitar, and he wrote this tune, it goes, somebody owes me something, it might as well be you, hey, now,
1: you're gonna get your blood sucked down Okay, so with that, hi and welcome to Half Hype, with me is always, Brian and John, who's back this week. It's good to be back. Uh, and then this week we are joined by Tom. Hello everyone. Uh, and that's it. All right, the a, end. Yeah, <laughs> Time to go, everybody. So we're going to have a fourth person here, but scheduling conflicts,
2: they weren't able to make
1: it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll start with where have you been doing? Uh, John, would you like to go first?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, during this past couple weeks, I, you know, while I was working a lot and also being sick. I didn't bring that up to you earlier, yeah. but even if I had been able to make it last last episode, I don't know how not drugged or unhealthy I would have been. <laughs> like, there were no promises. Right. But uh, so during that time, I managed to, in my drug fueled state, watch *Wet Hot American Summer* first day of camp on Netflix, mm, nice. and uh, it was fun. I, I I dug it in the way that like they just kept it silly and nonsensical, kind of in the spirit of the first one, and they really belabored the "we are only sixteen years old" yeah. joke, which again I I appreciate that in that. Just the way, that I, the way I appreciate some of that weird humor. But yeah, so that, that, that was a, a fun thing to watch. And uh, definitely glad I did. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I'm not happy about this. And I feel bad from last week for saying this. Because Ryan was very adamant about never seeing it. But I saw the Fantastic Four. Ooh. Um, it, I will say this. It's not as bad as Tomorrowland. Okay. But as this podcast knows, my sheer fiery hatred for Tomorrowland, um, it's probably an actually worse made movie. <laughs> There's probably better things in Tomorrowland, <coughs> but I hate the package of Tomorrowland so much more than I hated Fantastic Four. There's part of me that will always like comic book movies just because they're fucking mm-hmm. comic book movies. Um, this is above and beyond the worst comic book movie Okay. ever. Like, give me Electra again. I will watch a sequel to Electra before I'd ever watch this thing again. I would watch the fucking Ghost Rider movies. Give me any of them. Uh-huh. Because this isn't a Fantastic Four movie. And I think that's the one thing that the reviews aren't hitting. Like, everyone's like, it's horrible. Josh Trank's a dick. And it's like, uh, he might be, but I can see where he was going for. Like, there's definitely, there's just way too many fucking cooks in the this.
2: Thing, the thing, yeah, the th- and the thing with the Josh Trank thing is that you're coming across the the strain that you guys don't realize what you're doing by taking these small-time directors who have big ideas and want to go do certain things and pushing them into cookie-cutter tentpole yeah, comic book movies where they can't be free to explore challenging ideas. Yeah. You're going to get that pull. So I don't blame Josh Trank for oh, I all defi- that problem. I definitely blame Josh
1: Trank for a lot of it. He was not the right choice for this and he fucked up a lot. Well, I, 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 a I, director, but... I blame them
2: for not realizing <laughs> that about him. Yes. Like, you should have known that... Yeah. You should have known who you're getting to bed with. Right.
1: Um. But no, the problem with This The major thing that they're not mentioning in any of their reviews, and I don't know why, is that it's not the Fantastic Four. It's four people who have powers for fucking reasons that don't get them till an hour and five minutes into the hour and a half movie. 25 minutes of superpowers, and they only have one fight, one action sequence. They're all mentioning all that, but they don't ever fucking talk to each other once they become the Fantastic Four. There's Mm -hmm. one sequence where they kind of joke around a little bit at the very end after all the action sequences. And the main reason people love Fantastic 4 is because of that family. Right. It's all about family. Those four people, it's like the you got the thing versus Johnny Storm. They always are kind of at odds, but they definitely like they have brotherly love for each other.
2: And you know, for as aligned maligned as like those the fr- those other two mm-hmm. Fantastic 4 movies were, they had the family thing. They nailed Throughout. that. They nailed the family. They thing. nailed one thing in the entire. And they
0: weren't good movies, but they had that one thing down,
2: which was the probably the more important thing. Yes.
0: All right. Um, it's appropriate for after the hype. I watched the Ace Ventura movies for the first time ever. Really? Yes. Yes. Both of them. Both of them. And uh, it's a little dated, definitely. Um, a little hammy from the performance of Jim Carrey, but I, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, it is borderline offensive nowadays though. Oh, it was borderline about, offensive then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about ten years these movies were probably gonna be banned in all the countries in the world. So especially with the whole oh. transgender issues that are running around now. Scott Norwood yeah. running around as a girl. Yep. Yep. But but <laughs> God, it was I, an experience.
1: That fucking, the opening of the second one, the cliffhanger with the raccoon, that's still one of the funniest fucking things. It was
0: basically, the, like, I think the Mission Impossible movies basically looked at Ace Ventura and yeah. we're like, let's do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. But still, like, I've seen those movies, I think, more times. I've seen the second one more than the first one, just because it was a little bit more polished, and as a kid it was easier to palette than, I'm sure the first one's actually probably a funnier movie, Yeah, if I were to look at it now, but as a kid I wanted the more, like, the shiny thing, not the... The grungy one, but still, when I watch that second movie, when he does the fucking Shadow Puppets during that, that scene, the <laughs> hi-ho, Silver, away, I fucking crack up every time. Yeah. God, I love those movies.
0: Yeah.
1: They're terrible, though. Like, just They're, awful movies.
0: They, they they made me a worse person, but I laughed, so. <laughs> yeah, that's just not... You fun. laughed
2: because now you've become a worse person.
1: <laughs> I just hope that Jim Carrey doesn't get desperate and make a third one, because I would never, ever, I'm ever. surprised
0: they didn't do that in 1997. <laughs> Well, the second one didn't really make that much money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, maybe we should do an episode on Ace Ventura. That'd be a throwback.
2: <laughs> we'll do a month of offensive movies. <laughs> on after the hype. God. Our movies now turn offensive yes, by way certainly. of time. <laughs> we'll make
0: one fantastic four. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> oh man, there's not enough time to get past that one. Uh, all right. So today's episode. Uh, I'm not. Did we mention it
1: earlier? I don't think we did. I think we just mentioned how difficult the game was. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing a, a video game episode.
2: So we're doing Bloodborne.
0: Maybe the reason to <laughs> buy a PS4?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a system seller for sure. Uh, oh, yeah.
2: Like, having played it now, I would still buy a console for it. Yeah. Having, yeah. if I had money. And this game, apart from a few like little things, was so polished outside the gate.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean... When this thing hit, I mean, so many games nowadays come out with that really big fucking problem of, like, day one DLC. Not DLC. Day it, one, day one DLC. Patches, day one.
2: Day one were broken. You bought yeah. us. Yeah. You, know, you pre-ordered. haha. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. And this...
1: On the PC. Yeah. And this one, really just the loading screens. The loading screen. Yeah. And that was it. And they rectified that within about
0: three weeks. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, all things said, I mean that was a pretty impressive fucking launch. And even the loading screens is just slightly annoying. It's not game breaking or frustrating. And really, after they, I mean, the
1: they flipped flipped the loading screens to what they used to do for Dark Souls, and then suddenly the loading screens weren't as bad. Cause you always had something to read, which was bad. right.
2: just fucking bloodborne. And they and it gave you lore to read while you were waiting. Yeah. And even if they like, they probably didn't cut down the load times that much. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, probably by they shaved it seconds because there's something there, hardware and software wise, you can't you just can't do you can only yeah. optimize so much before <laughs> let's just get rid of the game yeah so
1: before we dive
2: too deep into it i'll
1: read the review for today which comes from metacritic it's a little bit long today but i actually thought it was kind of an important one to read because this one you'll get it as i start to read it, it comes from magadog m-a-g-a-d-o-g that does sound like a boss in this game doesn't it kind of
2: mm-hmm.
1: um all right so here we go he, gave this, magadog. he, he, uh, he was not or he. He or she. I'm pretty sure it's a he. Yeah, he says man, so I'm going to guess it's a he. Not a fan of this game. <laughs> Writing this to help people like me. I've been a gamer since Pong in the 70s. I'm a 44-year-old man. I love gaming. I like challenges. I hate this game. Some people really uh, resonate with the series and the challenge and the get good screwed that I like to be entertained for my hard-earned money and uh, and my scarce time. I don't like playing a level over and over and over only to have to do it over and over and over again because I made a mistake or my timing is off. This game doesn't allow for the nuance of playing style. It is a play, it is a, sorry, my eyesight blows. Uh, It's play this way or enjoy the frustration. I try to give it time. I gave it eight hours of my life. My time is valuable to me and my eight hours stay in the same damn level. No, thank you. Taking it uh, back and getting something I will actually enjoy. I give it less than a zero if I could. And therein lies, I think, probably a lot of people's take on the game. Yeah. Um, But before, again, we dive way into it, I think we should try to, as best we can, I'm not going to give anyone a timer on this one, but I think we should at least attempt to discuss the story of it.
2: Let's delve into it, because there's a lot of pieces that we have to piece together. There is. And and I'm I'm foggy on some, and sure on others, so it's going to take a group effort here. Yes. Uh... I can start at
1: the beginning, because the beginning is the best part that at least I picked up on without having to watch the fucking, like, story explained on YouTube, where there's, like, a fucking thousand of them, and you can watch anyone from a five-minute version to an hour-and-a-half version. Yeah. So there's a lot of fucking story in there, and people have really gotten into it, which is awesome. Um, But the part that I really understood in the beginning was that you came to Yarham because you had the plague, and you were dying. And the only way that you can get out of the plague is this thing called blood healing, which is available in Yarham. But the only way they allow you to take the blood healing treatment to stay alive is if you sign a contract to become a hunter Mm -hmm. and by doing that you have to basically kill every beast to break your contract. You have to basically kill everything all the major things and then they'll get you out of your contract which almost nobody ever succeeds at and most people die and then you get stuck on this constant loop because of the blood treatment so you just don't ever come back to life. There's only three people who have actually successfully broken their contract and you meet all three of them throughout the game and they all tell you as like you start like oh ah you're a hunter. I started as a hunter, too. But they don't ever mention how they got out of their contract. But as the game goes, if you play the whole thing, and this is where like there's a bunch of other stuff that people have to fill in. I'll, I got this part down. But as you play the game, you kill all the things. You kill the nightmares. You kill everybody. When you get to the end of the game, you come up with... What the fuck is his name? The guy in the wheelchair? Gearman. Um, And Gearman offers to end your contract, where basically he cuts your head off, and then you wake up, and you're no longer in your contract, but you're still in your so now you'd be basically like those other three people where you're still stuck here, but you're no longer under the blood contract. So now when you die, you die for real, but you're cured. So that's as much as I got from it. I could be wrong about the Arham thing because they're not really too specific about it, and I wasn't able to finish it multiple times, get the ending, so I was only able to watch them on YouTube. I got the ending where you turn into the weird purple slug thing. But yeah, that's how much I understand. Now I get that there's a whole bunch of other theories and a whole bunch of other plot lines to it, and that's where somebody else is going to jump in. But that's I got the plight and the story of the main character...
2: Yeah, and some of the down. and some of the stuff I kind of ran into when I was looking it up was just the whole kind of t- shift, which is a really fun part for me when the game shifts into this whole like elder god thing, yes. where once it starts to be revealed that th- some of these three main guys all tried to communicate with the elder gods in their own special way, and just their one way by itself wasn't enough, mm-hmm. and it all cursed them in some specific way to kind of change. I and mean, influence the beasts that you fight. You know, mm-hmm. it, it sort of like kind of trickled down and made everything bad. It kind of caused all the mess. Yeah. By trying to reach out, out to the gods, and everyone kind of has their own way of trying to ascend. Mm-hmm. Which, as the hunt, you are trying to ascend. Right. Which then leads into that ending. Yeah. Um. But it was interesting to see how, like, to get to that ending, you have to explore each of the three different ways that they tried to ascend to the gods and communicate with them, oh, and yeah. then eventually kind of consume that. And face off against the person, basically Garman's boss, the the Moon Presence. Yeah. which I think w- that ending you basically become one of, like you kind of ascend to a godhood in a way that yes. no one else was. So like Rom's ascension ruined her body and that her mind she could she could control the nightmares so you couldn't see the amygdalas and things like like she controlled all the sorts of like blocking the visions right and then once you defeat Rom everything kind of looks weird now. You kind of see shit. You can see the fucking monsters in the wall. And everything all that like that. And you hear the
1: baby cry, which is a big deal.
2: Right, right. So then, so that was her kind of gift. Like, each person kind of had their gift and their thing that they, they received from it at great cost to the other parts of them. Yeah. Which is kind of where I focus on. I focus a lot more on that kind of, that element. And that's kind of where my knowledge ends. Because <laughs> then, yeah, because then there's still that, that main plot of you getting the you know, the infusion, and then there's still, like, like, real Yarnum, and then there's the dream world, and then, like, when you, because you can actually find your little hunter's dream, the place where that exists, you can find that in Yarnum as you're wandering around. You can, but they don't call
1: it, like, the real hunter's dream. They basically say it was, like, an abandoned workshop, like, it was the first attempt at building the hunter's dream, but they built it actually in Yarnum, and that was the problem. Right. So they had to build it outside of Yarham yeah. for it to actually work as the hunter's dream, which I think is kind of a, a cool thing. And the things that, like, I like that, uh, like, they, they touch on, like, how none of the great ones or the gods can actually have children, so they have to do, like, immaculate conception through women who are actually alive, and then you have to basically kill their babies to be able to eat the the umbilical cords to actually become a god, so you actually have to ingest part of god a god to become a god, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Like, it gets really kind of fucked up and weird in there, but it's all... And here's... I'm not sure if you caught any more of the story than we did. Um,
0: well, I mean, we haven't even mentioned the whole alien sidetrack with... Oh, yeah. You know, the otherworldly presence that's going on as well. That's true. It's influencing all the events. Well, because
2: basically the, those three the three guys were successful at bringing, c- contacting the, the gods and bringing mm-hmm. them down, and now they are kind of the ones controlling everything, and probably why the dream... Like... Because like, it kind of all chain reacts because they were able to reach out.
0: Well, and that leads into the end of the game where you become one of those people that are kind of navigating the dream if you, you know, I, refuse Garmin.
1: Yeah, but I think if you refuse Garmin, you beat the the Moon Presence. I don't think you become one of those things. I think you basically replace the Moon Presence. Mm-hmm. So now you the, the dream is over, like the hunt is over, because now you're assuming because you were... You have to assume that your character was the good person. They don't really give you... like There's no morality scale in this, because that'd be fucking stupid. Right. Um, so you have to assume that your character is the good guy. So now that you're taking over, now you can... The Hunters become become
2: positive. But then again, yeah. in all these Souls games, they deal with the endless circle. The repetition. So like even though you defeat it, are you just going to feed back into it? That's like,
1: true, but I don't feel like this one felt like the Dark Souls, where it was like it's a constant circle like dark souls like especially like dark souls one to two to three like it feels like it just keeps getting worse right like it feels like i did it no you didn't i did it no you didn't and now (coughs) three feels like no those two guys definitely didn't fucking do it and now look at where we are because the new dark souls looks so like whereas like i don't think bloodborne has i think bloodborne if you finish it i don't i mean that could be wrong they could do a sequel or like a spiritual sequel kind of like how demon souls went to dark souls uh but i don't i feel like that story's Self-contained. I feel like yeah. if you got that ending, you did it. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like you, you nailed it. Good job. No more hunt. But yeah, I do like the whole like kind of otherworldly presence. I do like the like, the big fucking monsters on the wall, like the uh, HP Lovecraftian things. And I like the,
2: the well, and that's 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 something that the marketing did really well, and it was actually genuinely a surprise yeah to they game. I was the They like shit out of that. That oh, it's about Victorian times, werewolves. Ha <laughs> ha. Whatever. What are these weird alien snake things? What is it? What what's this? What Lovecraft? the hell is this
1: bulbous little blue thing who's shooting lightning
2: at me? Like fuck
1: that thing. Yeah. Oh, what? it
2: turned into a three-story-tall building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or oh, what are those things on the wall? That's the, that has nothing to do with werewolf. It's an alien.
0: Yeah. It's a great aesthetic to have that dichotomy between Victorian-era London, England, sort of the werewolf, you know, old-school storytelling and future alien. space. and they. And, yeah,
2: and, they and they designed it in such a way that like. I like when things in the world change after you do a certain thing. It, it, like Just my sense of exploration really was peaked. even though I didn't have yeah. a lot of time to explore. Every time I beat a boss, I was like, what's different? Something's different. Let me check these other places. And
1: especially after... Uh, I'm not sure if you got to the part where you actually killed Rom, but as soon as you killed Rom, like, the whole game just yeah, boom, takes that 180. and it's like Yeah,
2: I never quite got to that in my yeah. official playthrough, but yeah. I watched it.
1: Yes, a, yeah. Um... There's something I was going to mention plot-wise that I thought was really important. The things that I liked about this game that, that I think it did plot-wise, especially while well, like because of the whole Victorian London thing, and more so than Dark Souls, is that I felt like it was actually Dark Souls feel like you're in like the remnants of a world that was like it was a right. world that was eons ago. It's not like oh man, what just happened? Like it, this is like you're walking around the castle. like This is probably a castle a hundred years ago, and right. now it's just this husk of a thing. Bloodborne did a really good job feeling like. This was a school, fucking six months ago.
0: Yeah, like the little lecture hall that they had there. With yeah, chairs. Yeah, it and like perfectly set up, and nobody had even trespass on it. Yeah, yeah.
1: and that's what I. It really gave this. I mean, there's so, like horror games are a fucking diamond dozen. Like I know, like mm-hmm. people keep saying like that genre is dying. No, it's not. No. uh But this game did a better job scaring the shit out of me than almost any other horror game has come out because it did such a good job with fucking atmosphere. Mm-hmm. and atmosphere goes such a long way that's why silent Hill 2 will always be the scariest game ever made because they nailed atmosphere
2: and yeah the atmosphere is great yeah. there's so much detail like specificity you always hear it when people are talking about you know making like storytelling and all that is it is a key part of you know getting the world down the atmosphere getting immersed immer- yeah immersed and yeah this had the atmosphere and it was very immersive
1: it did and like so when you're in the school like the school for me was like the most like vivid thing that and like just like the I'm not, it wasn't central Yarham, but like where you like when you first come into Yarham. like those are the two areas I think I spent probably the most time in that and the dream world when I fucking got sucked into it and I was really fucking mad about it but neither here nor there yeah um but is that
0: where you get frenzied if you were in the light too long yes yeah <laughs> Oh, fuck frenzy in this it, game it literally man. actually made you frenzy in your oh life.
1: my god those fucking like the brain girls who could just look at you and then all of a sudden you're just like oh,
0: there goes half your health <laughs> you
1: motherfucker yeah. Um, yeah but yeah the, the school for me it, they did such a good job with just that that specific like area because it just really felt This is gonna sound cheesy but it felt real like it felt like a place that was just so recently inhabited and, that, the, the, and the, the, sp- where you still had fucking students there I mean granted they're ghostly kind of
2: they're gonna stab you in the back students but they're still there Yeah, like, we're not, like, centuries past, everyone just screwed up recently. (laughs) This is a recent screw-up of these three There's an actual
0: chance to maybe put things back together.
2: Yeah. Right. And I think that's why the ending is so
1: permanent, because I, like, it's, exactly, you can fix this. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's a fixable problem, whereas Dark Souls, it's not. Yeah. Um... And this one, like, even, like, so when you read, like, the, the lore and, like, the... Uh, which is a problem because all, like, the major story bits are all in, like, fucking item descriptions, which is fucking bullshit. And it's probably right. the biggest misstep of the game.
2: Well, um, and, the, like, the umbilical cord, the umbilical cord descriptions, I think, are how you discover the three elements. The three elements that the people have dealt yeah. with. Like, you kind of get an idea about Willem and whoever the other guy was. And I forget their names, but, like, they're their yeah. their their story is mostly hidden in item description. Yeah, which is... It's it was a fucking misstep in my opinion, and it's something, I just, that, it's something like, that the game series still has an issue with, which yeah. I think is something they don't care about.
1: Yeah, I like that the story's there if you want to find it, but at the same time, like this one, I, this I, one, I especially mean, with
2: such a with so much detail, they really could have infused more of yeah. that into talking to people. Yeah, this one, there's, fun- a, there's elements where you're t- knocking on people's doors, that was whole, so underused in terms of. Giving you information. Yeah, because I feel like the
1: story was more important to this game than it was the Souls games. And I know a lot of people might just shut off the episode right there because they disagree with me. But I, I honestly think the story was more important to this one than it was in the Souls games. Yeah. Because I can play the entire Dark Souls game and never look in, into the story at all and still feel like I'm just kind of like in a puzzler sort of thing. Well, and this one I wanted to know what was going
2: on. Well, and with the whole circle aspect of the Souls series, the idea is that you slowly get the idea, story, get the get the story by repeating yourself, repeating it, repetition. Yeah. Over and over again, you grok the story. Bloodborne seems like you gotta you gotta learn this. Like yeah. the whole point is to learn of what happened before, so you can succeed at the end. Yeah. So it's so important to have that information. Why, you know, make sure you have like the bone dust yeah. description read. You yeah.
1: Know? But uh, the thing that I was gonna mention a second ago was that the more hammering on the fact that this just recently happened. Is like in Dark Souls when you hear about like these guys from a long time ago, you might find like a version of him, like the, the king in Dark Souls two. He's still there, but he's not really there. He's a husk who's walking around with a big heavy sword. He's not really alive anymore. He's just a guy. He's just a thing that just can't die.
0: Right. It's a memory of the past instead of the actual yes. present.
1: Whereas in this one, you keep hearing about Willem and how Willem had to he was trying to fight with the blood, and he's trying to figure out this with the I always forget the other guy's name. I know. Maybe that might be right, but he's yeah. one of the
0: other hunters. He's the guy with the
1: yellow outfit. I believe so. Yeah. yeah, but they like they're constantly at ends with each other to the point where they have to live on separate sides of Yarham because the one just disagrees with how to do the blood transfusion, everything like that, from the other one. And it gets to the point where it's like, wow, man, this sounds like it was a really epic thing that happened. And then you fucking meet Willem, and he's not a monster. He's not doing anything crazy. He's just sitting in a fucking chair pointing at a lake. Yeah, but he's still alive. Like, and I think that's kind of like it really resonates how recent all of this is. Yeah. And I think that really kind of helps bring the story. I mean, I mean, when I say recent, it could be anywhere from 10 to 60 years, but it's not centuries. It's not... Right.
2: You're dealing with a kind of an, urgent, like an urgency in this. Yes. Which, down to mechanics, up to, like, the very basic themes of story. Everything, there's a sense of urgency trying to get this figured out.
1: Yeah. But I think that's a, a better transition. So, like, the urgency, I think that'll be a good way to kind of move into the gameplay of this. Yeah. Because if you play Dark Souls, it's kind of it's a, it's,
2: a, it's an adjustment. It's a Dark Souls is like a very violent game of chess. It was right. very much like... It's a dance, well, it's a, it's a dance, because you've got your shield up, you're yeah. moving around, wait for them to strike, you hit back. Like, there's a very shield-parry, shield-parry kind of set move. Yeah. But you're not just running up and whacking away. That's stupid. Yeah. The game punishes you from running up and whacking away. I
1: mean, and there are people who can do it. I've seen it done, where people who just dual-wield swords, and it can be done. Yeah. Um, but it's just like the timing and the, the workaround for that is just so difficult because you really have to, really have to craft your guy to be super light
2: uh-huh.
1: and basically just be able to take a shitload of damage. And that's a really tough thing to kind of like build your character. Whereas in Bloodborne, the character building didn't feel as big of a thing. Like the right. gear and the the character building, it never really felt like that big of a deal. Like you kind of it it stripped
2: felt- away choice to, like, give you a kind of... If you want to do it this way, here's this. Yeah. They kind of really reduced it and simplified it.
0: Just yeah. It's the difference between Mass Effect 1 and 2.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's really just, like, you can play it however you want to a point, but essentially you're all going to be kind of doing the same thing. Right. Like, yeah, you can you can play with the Threaded Cane, or you can play with the Hunter's Axe, which most people did, because it was in all like a lot of the fucking trailers, or you played with the... I and I like the Axe, so I played with the Axe. I played with the Axe. The Axe. I,
2: I played the Axe almost... the. Almost the whole game. Yeah, I until I got until I got the tonitrus, which helped with a few enemies. I liked that. I had the tonitrus usually on a second, like if I needed to flip to it because I like
1: the electricity. But yeah, that was with the axe almost the entire game. Oh yeah, but I've like the frack out of that. But like that's the thing. So like in Dark Souls, I feel like I'm dropping weapons constantly and picking up new weapons because they're always just a little bit better. Whereas this one, it kind of felt like it really they're, wanted you just to play. Like right. it wanted you just get in well, there. There's,
2: Kind of an anxiety in the Soul series where you're like, well, I want this weapon, but do I want to spec it out with all the rare materials and then find out that I have a better weapon I could do that to? Do I want to make this raw? Do I want to make this lightning? Yeah. Like, you're, you're playing this game of like like trying to figure out the what you want to do, and it takes a great amount of time versus yeah. gameplay. Whereas, whereas this is like, don't worry about it. Just play the game. Yeah. Here's Either this weapon. This is, there's not going to be one better than this, necessarily. Yeah, you can... You They're, can beat the entire game with any three of the starting weapons. Yeah. It can
1: be done. And, and it was, I, I fucking did it. Yeah, yeah
0: I did the third game, so.
1: And you finished the whole game
2: with
0: it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I might have tried the other weapons briefly. It was like, no, I like this. Yeah, so. and once
2: you commit to a, a, an upgrade path, it never punished you by making you feel like, oh, I wish I, should, I wish I would have done that to this. Yeah,
1: it's not like, oh man, my Hunter's Axe is fucking badass, but now I got this fucking, the Super Sword from fucking Final Fantasy VII. Like, <laughs> oh, I wish I'd done that one. And I was always kind of good with my
0: choices. And and the thing is that, like, I I just started playing Dark Souls Two for a little bit, and the weapon degradation in Two versus Uh, Bloodborne, there was really no real. That was a really frustrating part of Two. Yeah, Yeah. every fucking
2: everything was fucking made of splinters. Yeah, I mean, like you hit. I had a huge ass sword in Two. And it just couldn't last yeah. mm-hmm. between bonfires, which made it really frustrating. But this, game, I never were.
0: felt that urgency to repair my weapon or have any sort of issue no, with that. No, I
1: still played so much fucking Dark Souls though that whenever I'd go back to Hunter's Dream, be like, oh, better repair my shit just in case. But I never had anything break on me the entire game. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that I was kind of saying earlier is that like, uh, because of the way they do the super stripped down gear, super stripped down weapons. Is they really feed into the the gameplay of it of just do it now and do it fast. Yeah. And I think that's don't what necessarily a, think just just do. just do it. Just get in there and fucking whack the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Fire a gun in
2: his face and stab him in the belly. Like, yeah. And next, and, I, and it, it had a, added a benefit of if you like to kind of dress up your character in cool outfits, yeah. it was more of like not less so of like well will this really ruin my stats? More like this looks cool. I want to wear it. Yeah. Oh, it has a nice buff for this. Cool, whatever. Yeah, whereas, like, uh, I know we keep bringing Dark Souls into this, and I apologize for
1: that, but in Dark Souls, I feel like, oh, man, this guy looks awesome, but his stats fucking blow. I guess I'll look like (laughs) this lame chode for a while. Well, like,
2: there was the moss armor in Dark Souls 1 that looked really cool, but it was so heavy, you couldn't maneuver, so you actually had to take a lot of hits for it, and I didn't like that. But the moss armor looked so neat. Yeah. Like, I wanted to wear it, but I couldn't. I, I couldn't justify wearing it in a majority of my... Yeah, counters. Whereas this one, it feels like if you want to wear that stupid looking top hat because you think it looks cool, fucking do it, man. I kind of wore the clothes the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> I basically mixed and matched Hendricks and outfit, and I had, had a blast with that.
1: I don't remember where I was by the end of it, but like I just I, I just like that it, it felt more like it wanted to be more fun than Dark right. Souls, and it's really not fun. It's it's very punishing and it kicks the shit out of you, and you'll throw your controller across. But fun the room in, in and...
2: fun in ways that matter if you're not that you don't necessarily think about because the just being able to pick an outfit and the hey this looks cool yeah the souls games haven't really done that no and that's a that's a a thing I hope they continue with like this is cool I want to wear this I want to look
1: badass yeah and I want to look badass my fucking super long axe and I want to run up to that fucking guy and chop his head off and like
2: it
1: it kind of allows you to do that yeah but this one, I really want to talk kind of just about the general like uh, combat system, because I
2: think that's probably a good place to move into this. Because um, there, there are people who are fans of the Soul series who might not think... I mean, they might think this one is okay, but I actually really like this one over the, soul system, over the Souls area, just in that it was quick, and it just had energy. Like, yeah. that, that was... It, it took bad, a bad, ha- bad habits I developed in Souls and just removed them.
1: yeah. And it was it was really jarring for the first uh, five hour? six hours for five me hours, almost yeah. like it took a few hours of me getting used to uh, it was I read it on Reddit somebody made like a, a fucking like meme of it where it said in Dark Souls everything is dangerous in Bloodborne I am the danger <laughs> and yeah. it's like it's a joke but it's totally you had to get in that mindset you yeah. had to get that when you see a group of fucking hunters it's not like oh shit how am I gonna like peel one off. and
2: It's more like Leroy Jenkins (laughs) and the game actually kind of was like,
1: there, there. You did a good job. Yeah, and it's really just like you you fucking dive in and you start hacking and slashing the shit out of these guys. And they did a really good job. Like that fucking the dodge mechanic of it. The dodge
2: mechanic I really liked. It took me a while to get it. Yeah, And then by the end I'm like, I can't play without this mechanic. I need this, this, the dash mechanic, I was so in tune with it. Yeah. Dashing, jumping, back, forward, slash. You know, like. Yeah,
1: I loved it. It was great. And then now I look at I'm looking forward to Dark Souls three, and I see him roll. I'm like,
2: "Fuck rolling! I want to just fucking like." Mmm. The now, now that I've done this dashing, roll seems so archaic and yeah. so like so terrible of mechanic.
0: Yeah, you guys having that issue going from Dark Souls to Bloodborne? I had the issue going the other way around when I tried Dark Souls. So oh, and you're like, uh, "Well, what's yeah. this shit?" <laughs> exactly, everything's so much slower. You know, I don't know. I, I, I do slower,
2: really deliberate. It. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, and the hitboxes were a nightmare in Dark Souls too. Yeah. I got really mad <laughs> at many points, Dark Souls 2. It's
0: like, that sword didn't even touch me. <laughs> still sent me flying back off a cliff.
2: This game did much better. They they addressed
1: that hitbox problem. I mean, there's still a couple issues here and there, but yeah. it really was not as big of a deal.
0: I did um, like the mechanic also, that you could regain your life back if you got hit. hit that was a game.
2: very interesting change. It Because, was. because it, yeah. it encouraged you to just stay, stay get in the fight. Stay in the fight. And you'll get something out of it. Yeah, it was really like... And it really saved my life a few times in this absolutely. game. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Because, like, in... Again, in Dark Souls, when I get, would get pummeled, it's like, back off and heal. Like, just back off, like, just get some space in between you and heal. Whereas this game, it really did a good job of, like, you keep fighting. So, like, if you get walloped, if you can land a few hits, you can get some of your health back. And then you can back off and heal for a second. Because if you try to back off and heal right away most of the enemies are just as fast as you are, if not faster.
0: Yeah. It's like the Pursuer in Dark Souls 2, where he just comes at you when you try to heal. Yeah, so like the second you try to back off and heal, you're going to fucking lose your head.
2: I mean, you no know, mentioning boss battles is probably a good to jump into. Yes. Because two, Dark Souls 2 had a very problem of just not non-unique bosses. Dudes in armor. Oh, oh, so armor. Dudes in armor. And
1: then repeats from Dark Souls. And which remnants
2: of Dark Souls, which there was reasons for it, but it did feel, the game felt very samey. Yeah. Whereas... These bosses felt very unique, even though a lot of them were just beasts. Like, they managed to take beasts and make them feel unique. I still think...
1: I mean, if you were to rank all the bosses they've made, from fucking Demon Souls to Bloodborne, I still think that these weren't necessarily their best work, but right. some of them were. They, they didn't have any... There was no boss in this game that was controller-breaking, rage-inducing, awful. Like it was a fucking... Or, what the hell was their name? Uh, Gwendolyn and... Um, in Dark Souls 1, the fat guy and the skinny guy. Yeah. Um, I always forget their names because I don't want to remember them. They don't deserve to be in my brain because they're yeah. fucking assholes. But the problem was Dark Souls won every single boss to me. I think with the exception of one was a
2: challenge. Yeah.
1: And it wasn't like Shadows of the Colossus where it's like, as soon as I know how to beat this guy, I got it. It's That's it's it. a puzzle. As soon as you know how to finish the puzzle, you're done, which is no knock against Shadows of the Colossus. But this one is like, you can know how to beat him. Mm-hmm. You still might not be able to do
2: it. And it was great because everyone had a different experience with these bosses, which more so than the other games I've experienced, where, like, yep. uh, when, when we've compared notes with, like, Dark Souls 1 and 2 and Demon Souls, you're like, yeah, I took about the same amount of time to beat this boss. I took about the yep. same amount of time. Whereas, like, some boss, it seems like, you you one-killed Gascione, maybe, yep. but it took someone 20 tries because they just couldn't get it. Yeah. And there was such a... There was a lot more variance this time around. Well, it just... It felt to me... It didn't really feel like variance to me. It just really felt like getting that speed
1: and timing down. Because as yeah. soon as you could... As soon as I really mastered the mechanics of the game, no one really posed that big of a threat to me because mm-hmm. it really they made it so you can move so fast that you really are the danger. To quote that joke again, but it's like the the wet nurse who is like renowned usually is like one of the more difficult bosses because of how much she can do. Yeah, not that big of a problem. Like, because I mean, yeah, she can fucking one hit kill you, which is annoying, but that doesn't really feel like I fucked up. That felt like, well, it was a one-hit kill, so um, I'll huh, get it I next see. time. I'll yeah. dodge that thing next time. But as soon as you can move and you got it and your weapons are strong enough and you're strong enough, you can kind of steamroll a lot of people. So, like, for me, like, the first half of the game took forever. Mm. And the second half of the game, I was able to... I mean, I wasn't trying to find shit. I was able to kind of fly. <laughs> yeah. But for bosses, uh, for me, the boss that gave me the most trouble uh, was... And almost got me to rage quit the game was fucking, I forget his name now.
2: Um, Wasn't, was it the ag- amygdala? Yes. A- amygdala? A- amygdala
1: or amygdala or however you pronounce it. I remember coming over
2: when you were having the toughest oh, time with that shit.
1: God, it was just a
2: nightmare. I was
1: so mad and I just kept over leveling. Like I just kept ringing the small bell so I could just keep fighting bosses and just keep leveling up and leveling up and leveling up. That eventually I just kind of went, well, fuck you. And I just took in my Hunter's Axe, super extended it. I'm going to just whack her in the face. I just ran up and whacked it in the face one time, and they lost almost a quarter of health because I'd been so overpowered at this point. Uh-huh. That I was like, "Oh shit!" I was just hitting the wrong part of it.
0: And didn't it like drop its head and almost get like a visceral attack? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I
1: decimated the shit out of it after yeah. a while. And then after from that point on, I mean, maybe I was a little over but I was able to basically just fly through the rest of the game because mm-hmm. I was just I could just decimate.
2: If you can get to if you can reach that pinnacle where you start over leveling. The rest of the game becomes so much more satisfying. It may be easier, yeah. but you just feel like a badass the whole rest of the yeah. way. And it just really, I don't know. I like that. I like when I hit that overlevel. In most games, like with RPG elements, yeah. I, like, I like to overlevel and kind of cream everyone. Yeah. Because, I don't know, there's like a power fantasy in that.
0: I mean, going back to that first area where I died like 20 times and just uh. killing everything in one hit. like yeah. Oh, so yeah. satisfying. Yeah, exactly. Very satisfying.
2: Like, I had difficulty with you. One hit. <laughs> Take that.
0: And I mean, this, the enemy placements are still perfect to like also kind of catch you off guard, even if you haven't been to the area in a while. You yeah. still remember where they are, well, but if... then you might forget something. Like well, I don't know how many times I tripped a trap in the forest just because I was careless.
2: Yeah, and and so. and props on the enemy placement this time around. It felt like it. The enemy placement made sense to the story and to the location, yeah, which it felt was more organic this time. Which mm-hmm. I think was a major complaint of Dark Souls Two that it just felt like well, let's put some enemies here because yeah. they're there. One, as, as evidenced by the whole, like, soldier, uh, um, scholar of the first sin, where they just moved them around because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, okay. Whereas this one, like, with Bloodborne, it felt like the guy sleeping next to the, the cart, he would be there. Like, yeah. it, it made sense that everyone in their spot would be in that spot. I like that they could patrol. That felt much better. The patrol thing gave it such a cool element. Yeah. Especially even in advertising when I saw that, I was like, yeah. they can patrol. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You
0: can kind of turn this into a Metal Gear Solid series if you'd like. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: um, but I said my boss. What about you guys? It's for bosses. For bosses? Which ones that we really liked? Yeah. I think uh, Father Gascione. I'm going to go for an easy one. <sighs> because it was such a... Because it's the first introduction to fighting someone... A, a hunter. A hunter. Yourself. Yeah. And it's just, there was such an energy to that. Like, it was such an exciting fight. Even though it was frustrating because of geography. That's just because of geography. Like, you can't... The, a Souls game is going to have that fight where the geography is just retarded. So, but, the geography made that game... That made that fight winnable, in my opinion. It made it winnable, yeah. but yeah. It also, like, you had to be very careful. Like, yeah. there's that element where it's like, this could be... This could help you. This could really fuck you over. Yeah. And... might
0: be on the gravestone, but he can still hit you. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I,
2: I just liked the energy of that fight. And even though, well, I think we watched a video before recording this where the guy yeah. like, the music box is stupid. There's still kind of a touching lore little story in there, that yeah. music box that's really sad and kind of tragic yeah. and gives that character, he's actually got a tragic arc in there if you pay attention, which make, gives the fight a lot of pathos, I guess. I don't know, I yeah. really like a lot of the story elements that encompass that as well as the energy. Yeah.
0: What about you? Yeah, I mean, I primarily like the battles with the Hunters, like, uh, like Gascon, uh, Guillermo, or what's Guillermo at the end? Guillermo. 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 Um But I, I like the no-name Hunters as well. Like, there was one um, at the top of the Clock Tower where you fight uh, Victor Amela, yeah. and then you go back later and there's a Hunter there that gave me fucking, you know, it was very difficult for me at the time, no, oh, the yeah. level I was at. Um, <laughs> that fight was particularly memorable because I think I had to do it at least 25 times to try and beat the guy. So, was that the <coughs> one where Galen uh, the Crow was yes. dying outside? Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. That was really memorable just because it took me fucking forever. Uh, I I think the three person Shadows of Yarmog fight was really good too, as well. Yes. It, that's very difficult, and it was kind of a different dynamic because you had obviously three people to deal with. Yeah. Which was the big thing with uh, the three hunters in that one cathedral area that were.
2: With the well, and the, and the Shadows. really difficult. Uh, the, the Shadows boss also has kind of an element of like. Things are different. Like once you get into mm-hmm. that, once you start getting into that area, you start to realize there's more to the game than just the Victorian werewolf setting. Like yeah, you start to realize that things ground, are things magic. are starting to kind of turn on your on their head a little bit. Yeah. And I like that element of the fight, even though that fight mm-hmm. was getting me really angry. <laughs> well, like I I didn't say it on this podcast yet. I
1: kind of cheated on that fight. I brought in two other people, so we basically all took one guy, and it was
0: pretty easy
2: then. Yeah. yeah. No, if I replay this game again. I'll I'll probably be doing that. Yeah,
1: it it made me not want to kill myself, which was uh, an important factor to this game. (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk a little bit just about, like, the general no-name beat-em-up enemies, because I think, especially compared to previous From Software games, I think they did the best with the random just-bad guys. Not boss-wise, because I think, like I said earlier, I think the boss battles in these things were epic and great, and I love the design of them, but I still think... My first time through Dark Souls, the bosses way threw me bigger than this one. But I mean, it could just be serious fatigue at this point, where I'm just kind of expecting this sort of thing. Right. Whereas, like the general, just bad guys caught me way more off guard in this one than any of the other ones. And it could be because of their speed. It could be because of anything. But like I remember, in that first area, when you're you go up the stairs, you go around, you find the first like gaggle of like five people, you kill them. They probably took a, quite a bit of health from you, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you take a left and you go down towards the gate and you want to open up the gate to try to open up like a little bit of a shortcut on the left is a little bit of an alleyway and there's a dude with a big fucking cleaver. Mm-hmm. The first time you encounter like he can kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it wasn't like dark souls where it's like, Oh, I guess I'm going the wrong way now. It's like, no, this is just a guy here. And then it immediately kicked in my, I got to kill him yep i will beat this motherfucker
2: and the, and the crazy thing is he seems so daunting at first and then he becomes a normal enemy yeah a normal enemy that there's many of them lockering around in the, an area oh yeah there's a big fucking field where there's just like 10 of them yeah. yeah and they're not
1: easy and as soon as if two of them are coming at you i don't care where you are in the game it's like fuck it i'm running
0: yeah like good no unless you can somehow get a visceral attack because you get that like five seconds of yeah you you lose
2: your hitbox yeah yeah, yeah.
1: God, like that, and, and that's what I really liked. And I liked that there was that one that had the big, like, sort of like Frankenstein monster guys who either had like the club or like something else. But,
2: like, right from the very
1: get go, it wasn't like Dark Souls where it's like, oh, the guys get more and more and more crazy.
2: It was right out of the gate, they were awesome. And yeah, and those were just regular bad guys. Yeah, like, the, the, yeah, definitely this game did a good job of making taking that surprise you felt with the bosses of Dark Souls and replacing that with just. The regular small guys. Yeah. You're like, this isn't a boss? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like, these things are fucking terrifying. And they're fast, and they hit hard. And it's great, it, because all those common enemies kind of also gave you, like, hints and tactics to take the bosses on. That kind yeah. of look similar to them. Yeah, it so. really
1: did, it did a good job of training you for the game, which is something that I don't think the Soul Series had done, at least yet. Like, it was really like, in the Soul Series, the you kind of got used to, like, the parry fight. But then when you get to the boss battle, it's like, well, I need to learn how to climb on top of this tower here and drop down on him so I can at least get half the health off. Right. But it's never like a parry fight sort of thing. It's usually like dodge attack or roll away from attack and then take a chunk out of him. It. It's yeah. a very different type of Take everything of you use
2: for the small guys, ignore it, and fight the boss. Yeah. Whereas this one, it did a
1: good job of getting you used to how to fight, and then you had to fight the bad guys. It was a really... It was a different sort of growth for both the player and the character, and I think it did a really good job with it. Um but like I remember like the first time I encountered that fucking brain girl I mentioned her earlier <laughs> uh, like frenzy in this game like I mean all these games are going to be
2: they're going to give you the one kind of stackable I call it the poison mechanic yeah. they're going to give you a poison mechanic that's really just going to chuff you throughout the entire game Yeah. and it's frenzy in this one yep. because there's yep. no Lord. good I mean stack stock up on whatever that uh, uh, ointment I think it is
0: antidote maybe antidote, antidote I think yeah, it that.
2: is stock up on it Because you're gonna use that more than you use your, you know, blood vials. You will
0: get exceptionally good at visceral attacking them so that you hit that like kill them right as you're frenzying and and your hitboxes doesn't count.
2: Although one thing to that is if you don't spend your insight, like the (sighs) higher your insight is, the more it stacks against you how effective frenzy will be. So your insight directly hurts you in terms of frenzy. So if you have none like none, it's not gonna hurt you as bad. It's still But you still need frenzy to get certain things and to, have, like, to be able to see things, because at zero frenzy, there's certain things you can't see. or Zero, uh, zero insight, insight. Yeah. you can't yeah. see certain things. That That's explain- only
1: true in the beginning of the game. As the game goes on, I'll talk about an insight after we get done talking about bad guys, okay the insight in this game is, is a little mechanic they don't talk a lot about, but it's fucking amazing. I liked it, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I didn't delve too deep into that. I didn't realize, because I was getting frenzied and it would take up like two-thirds of my health immediately. Yeah, so, you could have zero like insight, insight, it'll still fuck you up. It'll still, oh, yeah.
2: like, the, it's it's going but, to, it's, it's the difference between fucking you up 100%, to fucking up 200%. Yeah. Like, it's not gonna solve anything, but it, it gives you a reasoning, like, this is kind of what's hurting you more in this.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's funny, like, how every game I've ever played, like, almost any Souls game and pretty much any, like, difficult game I've ever played, there's always, like, one enemy type, that then whenever I see them, I'm like, fuck. There's just something about, like, that enemy type I can't handle. Right. Like, I just could never get their pattern down. I was just like, whenever I see them, like, well, I'm probably gonna die. That fucking sucks, and I'm just really annoyed. The brain girl was not one of them. After a while, I kind of figured out that it's, a, it's more like a Metal Gear Solid thing. Like you mentioned earlier, is sneak up on them before they can kind of start singing to try to frenzy you and just stab the shit out of them and you'll be pretty much good to go. Right. Don't let them grab you.
2: Don't let them grab you. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: as long as you can sneak up on them, you should be fine. But as soon as you can hear their song, they can start frenzying you, which is bullshit. But whatever. Um, for me, the, the girls with the big fucking snaky blue head
2: who uh, oh. attach
1: their head and drain your insight. Oh, oh yeah. That's I a- had so much trouble with them. Okay. Every
2: fucking time. And they can throw... They can shoot a thing at you that... That st- freezes st- you. That freezes you in stasis so they can get you. Oh, man. Like, every time but, I saw
1: them, it, was,
0: it It felt like you were losing something you couldn't get back with your insight. Yeah.
1: So... It was like that fucking, uh... I think it was in Demon... Yeah, Demon Souls with a boss who could drain your fucking level. Oh, King Alot. Yeah, like Mr. Bullshit. Like, yeah. what the fuck? It would have been more. I would have been more fine with it if I was able to ever figure out their timing. Like, all right, well, well, then never. Just don't get hit by that thing. But I kept getting hit by that thing. Right. So every time I saw them, like, well, I'm guaranteed to lose at least three insight. Yeah. Guaranteed. Fucking hated it.
2: I do. I do think we should not forget about this. The, the dumbest thing in this game, the Chalice Dungeons. Oh yeah. I don't even talk about those. Fucking...
0: I don't think I even did a Chalice Dungeon.
2: They had an idea and they tried for it and it just didn't work. It was. It's very much like. Let's just make these randomly generated areas and we'll just put really trollish bad guys in there to just, because, fuck you.
1: It was just such a weird idea. A weird idea
2: that required you to spend way more time than the actual gameplay to get to anything worthwhile.
1: Yeah, it was just, I mean, I don't think it was a bad idea. I actually think it was a pretty good idea because it did a good
2: job. I want to see the matured version of that idea.
1: Yeah, they said they're not coming to Dark Souls 3. There's no version of it coming to Dark Souls 3. that's fine with me. Yeah. But I really think it, it was a good idea because it it kind of takes a page out of um, out of the Arkham games where it's kind of like it's like a like a challenge map. And challenge I, map, yeah, yeah. And I kind of like that idea because I like them in the Arkham games. It's kind of a cool little thing. Like, it, but I I just think they did it the wrong way.
2: And they never did it in a way like because there's areas in the story where you feel like I need to take a break and level up some. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of what the Chalice Dungeons would be for. But I tried that, and, and yeah, yeah. You didn't level up that much from it. You didn't yeah. get. You, it never really rewarded you for bypassing and doing this. There was never really any reward unless you decided you wanted to do the most punishing versions of it.
1: Yeah, until you've f- once you finished it, you get one of the best weapons in the game. You have to finish all the challenge dungeons to get it. it. Never felt worth it to me because I could beat the whole fucking game with a Hunter's Axe. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I didn't even touch the challenge dungeons. So yeah, and you don't have to. You
0: didn't even need to use.
2: You don't have yeah. to. And even, and even the, the whole idea of like working together in a multiplayer. They, had, they wanted to put multiplayer in that, which unpolished as fuck. Yeah. Because, like, you could have glyphs that you could give to each other, fine, but any time you beat a boss in one section of the Chalice Dungeon, your friend got booted, and they have to respawn back in and go through all those areas, not not fight the boss again, but go through the very beginning of the area to get back to you to then move forward. And it was such a hassle. The
1: You just mentioned the one last thing that I, I do think we should mention here because I had kind of forgotten about it because I hate it. Uh, and it's something that it's never going to leave the Soul series or the Bloodborne series. It's never going to leave, and I need to make peace with X. Although I won't,
2: I hate the shit out of PvP in these games. And which is con- weird because conversely, I love the jolly cooperation. I love love co-op
1: in this game. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great idea, and I think it works really well because it does something. That it makes an unbeatable game beatable, and it, it's always the perfect time when you think, "Fuck this game, I'm out." Oh, I can call a friend. And now suddenly I can get past this one guy and you've been leveling up that now the rest of the game's going to be a little bit easier just cuz you're able to get past this one hurdle. Great
2: idea. PVP can go fuck itself. And yep. I
1: mean that in the most harshest way possible.
2: And it's great for the people who like it. It's great. There there are, there, are, there are people on Twitch who just spend all their time in PVP and that's fine. Perfect, Perfect. for you. Yep, you Enjoy know. it.
1: But get the fuck out of my game. Yeah. Like and I like, I, I get it.
2: It's fine in the
1: situations where, you mentioned earlier, where like a woman rings a sinister bell. Okay, so that's a gimmick of this level. Yeah. Totally fine. And Bloodborne did a much better job of this than say Dark Souls did, where you just happen to wander in a PvP area. Good luck.
0: And then I just uh-huh. roll off a cliff, because yeah. I'm like,
1: fuck this. Yeah, as soon as somebody <laughs> enters my game it's like, what? Stab myself in the chest, and hopefully you don't invade me when I come in next time. <laughs> Whereas in Bloodborne, as soon as I enter the area and the woman rings a sinister bell, I'm like, I'm going to find that fucking woman and kill her right now. And that's what I would do. I would just beeline for her. I'd run past the person who summoned into my game, and it's like, no, nope, ya, I gotta go kill this person, and then as soon as you kill her, they get banished. Yeah. So it's like, so
2: they made it a way that you can actually kind of deal with it. Which but even, but, but which is, you know, that's that's kind of a cool, thank you for that, yes. but I see no need for it in the games. Like, yeah. Uh, Alright, so I think we should probably move into, I'm gonna say
1: quotes but it's not really quotes this time because there's really no quotes into the you just want to say blood a hundred times um, so I'll just say our favorite moment like that mm-hmm. Bloodborne moment for you I can go first go ahead. if it helps um, for me that Bloodborne like the moment where I'm just, like, I was like I don't know really what the fuck I'm doing here was the first time you entered like the Nightmare Plane oh, and it, it's, uh, it wasn't really like it wasn't right when you get into there but it's where you're kind of I don't remember how far into it you go where it's like, I'm really enjoying this game. There's fucking brain monsters everywhere which are annoying the shit out of me. And that's, you know, I can handle that. There's a couple hunters around, but I can handle them. That's okay. And is that a rock in the sky? Uh, and I'm dead. And that's where it's just like, okay, this game is like, it really is not pulling any fucking punches. As soon as you kind of get to that level, it's just like, this game is going to punish you unless you learn everything. Right. And that's where it finally felt like it was a good mix of like the new mechanics of Bloodborne with the old mechanics of Dark
2: Souls. It's like, get on your game. Yeah. One that really I thought was more of a oh they're going they're going this route huh is when um oh, what is it what what is that thing called basically the it births from the, that boss with all the witches on the, the tower and that thing just births from the sky oh yeah the yeah.
1: the pile of mon- the pile of dead bodies monster yeah yeah, yeah.
2: I just uh, you know not expecting that at all it props for being like that just births from the sky really gross yeah cool <laughs> I was very like other boss reveals have been like oh that's cool oh that's cool they turn into a beast. This one, the whole sky just burst. The thing. Yep. And I, I felt, I remember thinking, this game has changed because <laughs> there's, you know, you see the emblems, whatever. You know, oh, cool, it's aliens. But then seeing that burst from the sky and being so grotesque, I was like, that's what this game is now. Like, I liked, the, I liked the turn that it made for me. Yeah. It was, fun. it was fun and gross. It was really gross and really fun. So.
0: I particularly like that mechanic as well, but I think I'm gonna go with uh, returning to the Hunter stream and seeing everything on fire. Oh oh, yeah. That really felt like okay, I'm getting to the end. I feel like I I need to finish and accomplish everything that I need to, and then I need to you know I I will be what I be at the end of this game.
2: (laughs) And that this game did a lot of world changing as you got to stage, and I love that. I wish more games would do that. Yeah. Where it's like you can never go back because you know, home is never the same. You know, like I like everything that changes. Yeah.
1: Which brings us kind of into our rating system for the day. A little bit.
2: I don't know how to phrase
1: this rating system, but I thought of it last night, and I think it's kind of, I think it'll work. But I, I wanted to basically say, it's games, we're going to stick to games, it's a game episode, but it's games that have uh, a world progression. Games with a world progression. So that means, like, this game, like, as it goes, the the entire world consistently changes. You're in the same world, but it's changing around you. So games like uh, Grand Theft Auto would never count, because no matter what you do throughout all of Grand Theft Auto, four or five, the world basically stays the same. Whereas, like, in this game, like, once the moon drops, everything's a little bit different. Some of the the enemy placements change, and then, like, the building's on fire at one point. Like, there's, like, the world definitely changes. And I think that's kind of a cool mechanic that not a lot of games do, which is why that will make this kind of a, I think, a good mechanic to use. We'll see. I can go first. If it'll go ahead, yeah. Uh, for me, it'd be uh, the Fable series, primarily Fable 3. So, Fable 3, the the world change doesn't wholeheartedly affect everything in a really really big way but it does affect like what you do in the game affects the town which is always kind of i always thought was a really kind of cool mechanic where if you're like mm-hmm. a really nice king and everything's really nice about what you do the town flourishes and it looks wonderful and everything's great if you're a dick the town turns into a hole and it's a terrible place and nothing really changes so much but it's just i like that like depending on what you do things change in this game it doesn't really feel like it's not a morality system of are you good or are you bad, it's just that everything you do has a direct effect on the world and it kind of felt the same way for me in Fable War. Like, whatever you're doing changes what the entire area looks like and think it's kind of a cool mechanic and it really reminded me of it when I was playing this. Nice.
2: Yeah. And it just made me, It actually just made me think of mine, uh, I'm going to go with Fallout 3. Oh, yeah. Because That's the like, closest thing I was thinking. Yeah, because while not to the extent of like Bloodborne, there are choices you make that can change the game world forever. So, like, in one playthrough, I didn't blow up Megaton. Yeah. And one playthrough, I did, and that significantly changed how the game worked for me. I never did. I don't know how I'd play it without Megaton. I felt so terrible with myself. I couldn't. I couldn't make. I actually never finished the bad playthrough because I just couldn't make peace with the fact that I just did this shit thing.
0: Yeah, I saved it right beforehand so I could see both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then,
2: in that place you go to, if you get the, you get this really nice place to live at, if you blow up Megaton, huh. and that same place has a weird class thing between ghouls and humans. And you can actually choose to overrun the place with ghouls because I hate you guys. (laughs) And then that place changes forever, too. So there are two different places that can change significantly um, depending on the choice you make there. Okay. And it's very interesting to see because once that place gets overrun by the ghouls, it is unlivable. It is a terrible place and it changes completely. So there's two different areas in that that, you know, this Bloodborne made me think of that just like... Once you make that choice, that's it. That world changes significantly yeah. for that.
0: Okay, yeah. I think the best thing I'm going to go with is uh, Earthbound. Okay, because when you come back to Onet towards the end of the game, it's been invaded by aliens, and you kind of have to progress through that area. And it's also one of my favorite games of all time. And Bloodborne has really good fighting mechanics that puts it up there. So, um, and as you visit town to town, you know towns do change. Uh, you know people are leaving and progressing the story throughout it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what else to say besides play earthbound yeah <laughs> and
1: play my board yeah uh okay so with that our episode's essentially at a close i will we mention mean, what we have coming up here soon so next week uh we'll be doing birdman uh the week after that we have kingsman secret service nice i fucking love that movie mm-hmm. i'm excited I'm actually, spoiler alert yeah i really the problem is i don't have a lot of movies coming up right now that i don't like <laughs> uh the three movies right now are some of my favorite movies of the past few years we have birdman kingsman and then ex machina which i at this point is still in my opinion the best movie of this year so far uh and then again coming up here soon we have the third and final battle of the bond dun dun
2: dun yep and it will be uh, and it will be
1: done 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 yep it'll be final until they recast bond (laughs) uh so with that uh thank you for tom for coming back of course uh John for being as well as you are today yep and coming out work uh, hard at it yeah uh and bye bye